my favorite verses with you that'll really frame up some of the uh, talk that I want to share with you and some of the comments that I want to share with you this morning. Uh, first, uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youth will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will, weak, they will walk and not grow faint. One of my favorite verses, 2 Timothy chapter 4, 7 and 8, verses 7 and 8. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Third verse, Hebrew, chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We're all running our race, right? Young or old, it doesn't really matter. I'm still running my race. I'm still walking closely with the Lord. And so I'm going to share a story. We're going to show a video here in just a minute. But when I speak, I was in Sacramento, California last week. I spoke to a, uh, an audience of business people. I actually retired. Gordon mentioned I spent 36 years with a Fortune 250 company domiciled in Des Moines, Iowa. But over the years that I was with them, we became international. So we now operate in 36 foreign countries primarily in the insurance and financial services space. So I spent my 36-year uh, career in leadership running a large organization for that company. And so last week I was talking to a group of financial services executives in, uh, in Sacramento. And I shared uh, uh, several things with them, but I talk a lot about the four pillars of life. Uh, and those four pillars are passion, purpose, vision, and mission. And so let's, let's talk a little bit just about those four pillars because we're going to spend most of our time this morning on one of those four pillars, which is purpose. But passion, if I, uh, let me pick on somebody in the front row. What's, what's your name right here in the blue t-shirt? Ben. I'm going to pick on Ben just a little bit. And if I gave Ben a book today and I said, Ben, I'm going to give you an assignment. And what I want you to do is I want you to take this book home and read it over the weekend and it's a book about passion, and you're going to come back on Monday morning, and you're going to have great passion for what you do, whether that's school, athletics, business, teaching, it doesn't, doesn't matter, the ministry. If it was only that easy, passion really comes from the heart. And so it's hard to give somebody a book on passion and have them read that book and come back with great passion for what they do in life because it really comes from your heart. That's where it starts. Purpose is your own unique answer to the question, why? And we all, at some point in our life, have to answer that question, the question why it is we do what we do. And, and purpose has deep, deep meaning. And if you study leaders and winners in life, they show up every day with a sense of purpose. They understand the why behind what they do. Whether that's your schoolwork, whether that's athletics, as, as you eventually graduate, you go off to college, and you decide what you're going to do with your life. 
Purpose is very, very important for you to find the purpose in your life. Vision is really, uh, from, a, from a business perspective, it's your roadmap and your compass. And so what great leaders in the business world or in any walk of uh, whatever profession it may be, they have great vision. Beyond vision, they have clarity in terms of where they want to go, where are they today and where they want to go. And beyond that, they're able to articulate that vision to a group of people and get them to buy into that vision and, want, and get them to want to follow them. And then mission is all about defining your legacy. None of us knows what's around the next corner for any of us. And so if today was the last day and you weren't coming back, what do you want to really be remembered for? And you need to think about those things because none of us knows when our, our last day on earth is here, correct? So we need to be thinking about if today was our last day and we weren't back here tomorrow, what do you want your friends to remember about you? What do you want your brothers and sisters and your parents and your grandparents, what do you want them to remember about you if today was your last day here? Well, winners and leaders in life, they think constantly in terms of three things. I can, I will, and I am. I'll try rarely enters their vocabulary. They center their life around I can, I will, and I am. And the difference that really makes a difference is possibility thinking. And one of the great possibility thinkers of our time, and many of you may have not heard of this individual, Stephen Covey. Anybody know that name? He was a great author. He authored many, many books on leadership. Uh, he passed away about a year, a year and a half ago, but he was internationally known as a tremendous author, uh, teacher, educator. And I had the opportunity to hear him speak many, many times in my career because he would speak at conferences and conventions, and he would address people in the business world. Uh, one of, probably his most famous book, the title of it was The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he talked a lot about the fact that we're all gonna travel one or two roads in life. The young and the old, you're young and I'm old, the rich and the poor, men and women alike. One is the broad, well-traveled road to mediocrity, but the other is the road to greatness and meaning. And the range of possibilities that exists within each of those two destinations is as wide as the diversity of gifts and personalities in the human family. But here's the key, the contrast. The contrast between those two destinations is as the night is to the day. So my hope for all of you is that you'll choose, because it is a choice, isn't it? It's a choice for all of us. You're going to choose which road you travel. And it's really, really important. You're at a Christian-based school. It's important for you to, to keep your walk with Jesus Christ front and center. Because you're going to come to a crossroads, and you're going to have a choice as to whether you take that road to mediocrity or whether you take that road to greatness and meaning. How many watched the Olympics? A couple, couple weeks, two, three weeks ago, we were all tuned in. We watched stadiums full of people watching your favorite athletes perform, and whether it's swimming or track and field. But here's the key. Greatness is carved in empty stadiums, not stadiums full of people. Greatness is carved where there's no lights, where there's no cameras, 
where there's no people. Greatness is truly carved in smelly weight rooms and on barren roads and at high altitude and in the scorching heat and in the freezing cold. Greatness is carved a lot of times when nobody can really see what's going on. That's truly where greatness is carved. Possibility thinking, how powerful that can truly be. I'm going to take you back to November 5th of last year. So what, about 10 months ago? My day started like most days, an early morning workout. Gordon mentioned that I was a, a track and cross-country guy in high school and college and continued to compete many, many years after I graduated from, from college. Had the opportunity to, uh, to represent the U.S. in a couple Olympic trials way back to 1976, believe it or not, uh, in the marathon. That was in Eugene, Oregon and then in 1980 in Buffalo, New York, and my event was the marathon. Ultimately, my best event became the marathon. I wasn't real fast, but I could run all day long, and so marathon fit me pretty well. So my day started with an early morning workout, and then some emails and some phone calls and some motivational reading to get me in the right positive frame of mind for the day. That afternoon, I was flying in six emerging leaders, people that I was mentoring and coaching and helping develop uh, in my role as a leadership consultant. So after I retired about 18 months ago, the company I represented for many, many years hired me back as a leadership consultant. And so I work with emerging leaders, people that maybe don't have a lot of experience, but they have a lot of potential. And so I flew six individuals in from all over the United States, Charlotte, North Carolina, Kansas City, uh, the Bay Area, San Jose, California, Columbus, Ohio, Six came into Omaha for two days of, of leadership. We we're going to spend two days talking about leadership, what great leaders do, how great leaders think, how great leaders act, and some of the characteristics that they need to continue to develop as they grow in their profession. That afternoon, we were going to take a field trip. And I was taking this group of six individuals to a facility in Omaha, Nebraska, that's recognized as one of the renowned spinal cord and traumatic brain injury facilities in the United States. So there's, there's residents there from all over the United States that come there that have suffered traumatic brain or spinal injuries. Why was I taking them out there? Kind of unusual, this is a rehabilitation center because they've been recognized as the best place to work in Omaha five out of the last six years. And it's because of the culture that they've established their, the mission of how they treat their residents and what they do for those people. And this uh, facility employs about 500 people in Omaha, Nebraska. And we're gonna spend two of our three hours there with their CEO and president, who's a female, Patricia Kearns. She's a good friend of mine. Patricia's in her early 40s. And we're gonna spend time with her and John Pearson, their director of creativity. And they were going to talk to us about what makes their organization so great. And what are the things that they continue to do consistently that recognizes them as the best place to work in Omaha. And this is a brain and spinal injury facility. The last hour of that three-hour visit was a tour of their facility. And during that tour we, were, tour, we were able to meet two of their former residents or patients. They don't use the word patient. They use the word resident. And both of these individuals suffered traumatic injuries 
that have left them paralyzed from the chest down. I'd never met either one of these two individuals. One was a, a young African-American gal who fell asleep behind the wheel of her car as an 18-year-old after she got off work at 11 p.m. She was working at a fast food restaurant, driving to see her boyfriend, falls asleep, the car flips over, and she ends up in a traumatic accident, paralyzed. The other individual, John Schutz, never met either one of these individuals. I was really uh, touched by his story, and I'm going to share part of that story with you this morning. That started a, a one-year journey, and John now is, is, I consider, one of my closest friends. He's much younger than me, but at the age of 29, uh, he was at a family reunion. He, he was a three-star athlete in high school and college, very accomplished athlete, good student, uh, had Christ in his life from, from, a, from a, a young age because of his upbringing, because of his, his family. The dynamics, you know, his parents, uh, Jesus Christ was very, very prominent in the Schutz family. His last name is Schutz. And uh, every other year they would, they would hold a family reunion, a huge family reunion. 250 people would show up at their family reunion. And his cousin Billy was at the family reunion. Cousin Billy lives in Fort Myers, Florida. And he said, John, you know, what's, what's keeping you in Sioux City? Sioux City, Iowa is where he worked after he graduated. Come on down to, to Florida. I own two businesses. I've got work for you. So he flew down there. He checked it out. And he said, you know what? This looks pretty good. He was single. Flies back to Sioux City, Iowa, puts his house on the market, and sells his home and moves to Florida. That's the beginning of his journey. So in Florida, he would, he would uh, and, and he was a runner in school, and uh, he would always take a four-mile run before, before he'd go to work. And so he'd run two miles out on the beach, and then he'd turn around and run two miles back, and he'd see the sunrise every morning as he'd run back and get ready to go to work. One day after work, he's riding his motorcycle home, takes an S-curb on the road next to the beach. It had been a fairly windy day, and there was a lot of sand that had blown onto the, onto the roadway. Going a little bit too fast, loses control of his motorcycle, flies off the motorcycle and he hits a utility box and he fractures his C4, C5, C6, and C7 vertebrae in his upper neck, down, part, part way down his back, and ends up paralyzed from the chest down. I didn't know a lot about his story on November 5th, but I called Patricia Kearns, the CEO, and I was in the process of writing my book. And I was just really starting to put thoughts and ideas and the center of it was going to be around the four pillars of passion, purpose, vision, and mission. And I thought, you know what? I can use John and his story to frame up purpose because in an instant, he had to redefine his purpose in life. He was 29 years old at the time and single. And all of a sudden, in an instant, he becomes paralyzed from the chest down. So the purpose and his mean, the, the meaning and purpose of his life as he knew it was over in an instant. Long story short, um, he ends up in, uh, he almost dies, but ends up in intensive care, eventually gets back to Sioux City, closer to family, and he starts his journey back uh, to where he is today. Well, eventually he ends up at QLI in Omaha, an incredible, incredible place. And uh, I'm going to share part, I've got a four-minute video I want to sh uh, show, part of its audio, part of its video, and then I'm going to share with you part of his story 
and, uh, and where he is today and what he's doing with his life. It's been 11 years. He was 29 years old, single. You know, you could say he was living the dream, riding a motorcycle to work, uh, you know, taking sunrise runs on the beach in Florida. And you kind of say he had the world by the tail, but that all slipped away in, in an instant. So uh, let's watch the video and audio, and then we'll uh, come back, and we're going to talk a little bit about this. First few months after my motorcycle accident, life was overwhelming, and I didn't know what to do. After all the surgeries and rehabilitation, the physical struggles to gain back just an ounce of function or movement was overwhelming. The emotional shock of knowing that I may never walk again and that I would be paralyzed for the rest of my life was the most terrifying thought I've ever had. I began to realize that I didn't just break a few bones and in five months everything would be back to normal. I had to deal with the facts. I would have limited movement in my upper body and no movement from the chest down. My body would be broken forever. It was extremely difficult to comprehend all of that. I was very emotional. I shut down. I didn't want to talk to anyone or do anything. I just sat there worrying about how life will look now. One can't predict the future, but mine seemed clear. Life as a quadriplegic would be meaningless. I wanted to forget it all happened. Then I started to listen to my own heart, and it reminded me of how I was before my injury. I never gave up on anything. Despite my physical deficits, I am stronger than this. I was always determined to do my best, and this was no different. I told myself I was not going to let the injury define my life or put limits on what I am capable of accomplishing. I knew I had to redefine my purpose and perspective in this new life. I used my injury as an instrument to find new direction. I wanted to live an independent life and be happy doing it. I set goals to stay active in sports, to have a job I enjoy, and to start a family. I really had to push myself and concentrate on moving forward with my goals. I had to rebuild my life from the ground up. I began exercising, cycling, and lifting weights. I contacted a local wheelchair rugby team and started practicing with them. It was physically demanding and I loved every minute of it. Being part of a team boosted my confidence. I could train as a competitive athlete again, traveling to tournaments and challenging teams across the nation felt amazing. There are a lot of people I can thank for their help through my rehabilitation, and Erin is at the top of the list. I met Erin through my recovery. She was kind, compassionate, and an incredible blessing in my life. She was the positive influence I needed to complete my redefined goals. I could always count on her to encourage me and keep me focused. We had such a great relationship we decided to get married, and with a large family in mind, we built a new home. We currently have four boys, and they remind me each day of how blessed I am. I am also very fortunate to have found QLI in Omaha, Nebraska. I spent six months there with the most encouraging and supportive staff I have ever known. QLI has developed a culture of caring staff who keep residents determined to have a successful life path. It was at QLI where I gained the strength to realize one can be successful in life after a traumatic injury. I decided I wanted to make a difference in someone's life. I became a certified peer mentor and joined QLI's Spinal Cord Injury Mentor Program 
right now help people recover from spinal cord injuries. We are all capable of making substantial improvements when faced with hardships to overcome. And I have no doubt that I'm a better person because of those obstacles. I hope you are able to draw inspiration from your own daily challenges to excel in life. I know all of you are in great hands with Cliff. He's been a remarkable inspiration in my life. That was taped last Monday, so just eight, nine days ago. I probably watched that 15 times, and uh, it's just amazing what John has accomplished in the 11 years since, since that happened. I met his wife as I, as I started my book project back in January, and uh, the first opportunity I had to meet John was in, uh, in November, on November 5th. He had no idea I was thinking about writing a book. And it, it just really hit me that, you know, he could be a part of this project. QLI could be a part of this project. The story goes deeper than that. My oldest daughter, I have three children. My oldest daughter is the director of clinical programs at, at QLI. And uh, it's just an, an incredible, incredible place. And uh, it's, it's very easy for me to see why they're recognized as one of the best places in Omaha to be employed. And it's because of work like this that they do every single day to make a difference in the lives of those people that they serve. None of us knows when something like this could happen to ourselves or to a family member or to a friend, uh, to, to one, of your, uh, one of your buddies. But, that, but that's part of life. And what John has done with his life in the 11 years since then, I'll share with you a little bit about his story uh, because it, it makes me appreciate every single day that I have and how blessed that we all are to have the gifts that we have. Now, you look at John and he's paralyzed from the chest down, but what he's done with his life, he views his life as a true blessing. He met his wife when he was, uh, once they shipped him or flew him back by medi medevac plane to Sioux City, Iowa, uh, one of the first individuals to come and see him was his best friend his best buddy growing up. They went from kindergarten through college together. And so he showed up at the hospital to see John with his girlfriend at the time and his girlfriend's best friend, an another gal. So the three of them went up to the hospital to see John. And uh, Aaron, 18 months later, became his wife. She, had, she knew of John through athletics because it was a well-known name in the community because of his athletic accomplishments, but had never met him. And so she just tagged along with his, his best friend and, and his best friend's girlfriend. So that was her first opportunity to meet John. She walked, can you imagine? She was 25 years old at the time, walking into a hospital and seeing an individual paralyzed from the chest down, laying on a board. And so I, when I drove up to Sioux City, because uh, they still live right outside of Sioux City, uh, to interview Aaron for the book, I had spent probably... 25 hours with John and so when I every two every Tuesday and Thursday he drives 85 miles so QLI taught him how to drive a car taught him how to put his life back together he attributes Aaron and QLI for saving his life he was there for seven six or seven months it's rehabilitating so uh, when I drove so I'd spent a lot of time with John getting to know him intimately and getting to know his story and what were the motivating forces in his life after this happened? Where did that strength come from? And a lot of it was the inner circle. And the inner circle is his family, his friends, his coaches, 
in Jesus Christ that he called on in the depths. You can only imagine at the age of 29, you know, your whole life slips away in terms of what you thought you'd be able to do. But he views his life today as a blessing because he met Aaron. And I, so we drove up, my wife and I drove up. I said, I want to meet your family. And uh, so we sit down and, and so when I was talking with John and meeting with John, I'd, I'd see him every Tuesday and Thursday for a series of probably two months because every Tuesday and Thursday he commutes 85 miles each way by car driving himself to QLI in Omaha to be a mentor to other spinal cord patients or residents as they call them and, and traumatic brain injury people. So he's a mentor two days a week. And so I'd go out there every Tuesday and Thursday and I'd bring an audio recorder. And we'd sit down and we'd just start to talk about life. And you know, what was your life like growing up? What was your life, life like with your folks and your brother and your sister growing up in, in your household before? And uh, unfortunately, his parents were divorced when he was in fourth grade. So his father moved away and was not really part of his life from the fourth grade on. And I said, who was the male figure in your life? Who was your role model? And it was his grandfather, his grandfather. And he drew a lot of strength and he learned a lot from, from his grandfather who passed away about four years ago. And so we started to talk about the injury and the accident and what life was gonna be like. And so I've got over 20 hours of audio recording of John that became part of the book. And so when he started talking about meeting Aaron and, and, and everything, I said, I, I need to meet her. I want, I want to have her as part of the book as well. And so they met. And so I asked Aaron, I said, when you walked into that hospital, you, you weren't thinking that I'm going to marry this guy in 18 months. He goes, oh, no, not at all. I said, what were you thinking? She was 25 years old. Can you imagine at 25 thinking, this is my future husband, an individual that's paralyzed from the chest down? That's not entering your mind, not at that moment. I said, what did you do? She said, I drove to my grandmother's. Her grandmother is still alive. She's 93 now, lives in Sioux City, still lives independently because they were in a Bible study together every Wednesday evening, Aaron and her grandmother. And she said, Grandma, I don't know what to do. I feel so bad. And, and she said, well, there's, there's really nothing you can do but pray for him. And so she started visiting him in the hospital. She'd go with his buddy, and they'd go up, and they'd play board games, and they'd sneak food in. She told a lot of stories about sneak, sneaking Big Macs and wings into the hospital, you know, food that they wouldn't allow. They're not cooking Big Macs at the, at the hospital, right? And, uh, and then once he got down to Sioux City, or, or down to Omaha, she'd go down every weekend. She's a first-grade school teacher. So their, their relationship continued to grow, and eventually they had so much in common, they found out. Well, long story short, they ended up getting married. But the biggest decision that Erin had to make was she, family was very important to her. She wanted to have a family. She wanted to have children. And when you have an injury that, that's that high up in your neck area that leaves you paralyzed, the probability of biologically being able to have children is less than 1%. Four more miracles because they, they, they had four boys, all biologically conceived, and they range in age now from six months to six years. And Aaron, and you heard it on the tape, she was a huge, huge part of his recovery. And when you talk to John now, he said, you know, 
all of the important things in my life, for the most part, have occurred after the accident, after I was paralyzed. You know, being able to learn how to drive a car, live independently. The one motivating force in his life was he wanted to live independently because all the doctors and all the nurses said, you'll never live independently. You'll need 24-7 care. You're going to have to move in with your mother. She's going to have to handicap equip her home. You're going to have to have somebody dress you for the rest of, of your life. And so the biggest thing that he had, the biggest question that he had to answer after the accident, because he did not want the accident to define or limit his view of what was possible. He held on to that. He held on to that. And so the biggest question he had to ask himself is, am I just going to cope or am I going to thrive in an environment of change? And he made the decision that he was going to thrive in an environment of change. Since that time, and it's been 11 years, but he started a wheelchair rugby league. You saw a couple clips of him in the wheelchair playing rugby. He started a wheelchair rugby league in Omaha. They travel all over the United States to compete in wheelchair rugby. A year ago, he became certified to scuba dive. And he has to have a buddy, but I've got a picture of him on a, on a diving uh, uh, expedition in the Cayman Islands that was this June. And there's a company out of Texas, and once a year they select six handicapped individuals in the United States to go. It's a company that does outreach to people that have suffered traumatic injuries. You have to apply, you have to be interviewed to be selected. He was one of the six people in the United States to be selected for this Caribbean dive. And so he's pretty fearless because most people aren't thinking, I'm going to get certified to scuba dive, you know being paralyzed, but he did. So he's never let his view of what's possible change, even though he's paralyzed. And he views his life as a true blessing. And what got him through a lot of this was his relationship with the Lord. In the depths of depths, in, 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 in the deepest depressions of something like this occurring, you've got to call on things that maybe you don't even know you're possible, uh, that are possible. You've got to call on things that are much bigger than, than, than what we are as humans. And his faith got him through the immediate trauma and some of the recovery. Uh, you know, many years ago, John Kennedy, one of our great presidents, he said, effort and courage are not enough without purpose and direction. Well, QLI gave John purpose and direction for his life. They helped him rebuild and, and put him on a path where he can accomplish and, and give back now and be a mentor and help other people that have suffered traumatic injuries, giving them hope and giving them meaning and giving them purpose. Because when something like that happens, your purpose and meaning in life slips away in an instant. And so how do you start to rebuild that and how do you start to regain that? Helen Keller once said, life is either a daring adventure or nothing. Isn't a daring adventure what we all seek in life? To enjoy the journey as we pursue life with passion and purpose. And I know all of you are young and you're just getting started in your lives, but when you can find great passion for what you do, unbelievable things will open up. Unbelievable doors will open up to you. And you're not too young to find that passion. Whether that's playing an instrument or 
athletics or, or whatever it may be for you, if you can find that purpose and then, or passion and then combine that with purpose, which is that unique answer to the question why, why, why do I do what I do? It can be so, can be so powerful for you. John Wooden, one of the greatest collegiate coaches in any sport, and you're all too young to remember John Wooden, but he, he coached the UCLA basketball team for many, many years, and ultimately I think he ended up with 11 or 12 national championships, a record that will never be broken. I think he, they won nine in a row. He said that you cannot live a perfect day until you do something for someone who will never be able to repay you. Think about that. How much better would the world be if we all made a commitment to do that? But here's what happens. Thinking like this. I'm only one person. And what can one person do to truly make a difference? And the answer is this. You can do more than you ever thought possible. It's the actions of ordinary people. It's the actions of ordinary people that can move mountains. It's the actions of people like you and like me and their desire to make a difference and leave a legacy that can move mountains. Don't ever lose sight of that. We're all capable of so much more, aren't we? Be a possibility thinker. It can be so powerful in your life. Make sure that you keep your relationship with Jesus Christ front and center. The things that got me through a lot of the, the trials and tribulations and challenges of life, because life's not a, a smooth glide path, is it? We're all going to face challenges. We're all going to face obstacles that we have to overcome in life. That's reality. And that's when you have to have strong faith in your walk that gets you through some of those times. Matthew chapter uh, 28, verse 20. As Christ's followers, we must remember he will never leave us. He will always be there. He will not abandon you. And even when Jesus seems silent, because there's times when he seems silent, You know, we're looking, where is he? He seems silent in our life. Even in the middle of some of the most extreme challenges that, like John, that we're all going to face. I hope none of you have to go through what he's had to go through, but there will be challenges. That silence is golden. As he reminds us, he will always be there. He'll never leave us. And so... As I got to know John very, very well, we're going to start to do some speaking together because one of the mission things that I, that's, going to be, that's important to me is trying to help this family. They're, they're raising four children on a first grade school teacher salary. Pretty challenging. So his wife works full time. She's the, she's the major breadwinner. John does mentoring two days a week. QLI can't pay him much to do that, but he's making a difference in the lives of all of these other residents.
that are facing what he faced 11 years ago. So he's giving back. He's paying it back because there were people in his life when his accident happened that were there for him. And so he has a tremendous story to tell. Uh, he's a very, very humble individual, a very caring person. Some of that kind of came through on the tape. And he really views his family, his relationship with the Lord, even though he's paralyzed, he views his life as a blessing. He had to get there. That didn't happen overnight. It took him a while to get there, if you can imagine, after that happened. So he helped me through, through the lens of John and getting to know him. It helped me see the world from a different perspective. Perspective in life is really, really important, isn't it? That helped me see the world from a different perspective. And so no matter what you're facing in life, the challenges, the obstacles, don't let it limit or define your view of what's possible. Let your legacy of leadership reign out. Think about John Wooden and you can't live a perfect day until you've done something for someone who will never be able to repay you. If you can live your life keeping that front and center, how much better would our schools be and our communities be, our country be, our world be? It's pretty powerful. Don't ever lose sight of the fact that one individual can make a huge difference in the world. I want to end by just saying thanks for letting me share a little bit of that story, a little bit of my story. I'd love to, to spend more time with you, but I know you've got to get to class. Gordon, it's been a real privilege. Thanks for the invitation to spend some time this morning, and have a great school year, guys.